Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Hello again. Well, this month I'm joined by a guest from New York because we like to include all media in this podcast, not just the British ones. She is Pia Velasco, and she's senior beauty and fashion editor of HelloGiggles.com, which is an online publication covering beauty and style, relationships, career and money, culture, tech, and more. Pia has also worked at Hearst Magazines and Ola Magazine, and has been a journalist for around 10 years. So Pia, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So first of all, can you give us an, an overview of um, the readership of HelloGiggles.com? What are the online figures? Is it just USA or is it a global platform? So it's a global platform. Since we're online, we have readers that reach all over the world. And we reach roughly about uh, 13 and a half million readers a day. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. How long has it been going for? We, I would have to, I would actually have to check that, but we were founded by Zoe Deschanel in the early 2000s before being acquired by then Time Inc., now Meredith Corporation. Okay, okay. And it's mostly an American readership. It's mostly right. an American readership, mostly American female readership. So can you give us kind of a top line overview of any regular slots or sections or regular features that you either write or commission for? Yeah, so under the beauty and fashion vertical, we have a ton and that just makes it really fun and also gives us a little bit of structure. Under the fashion vertical, we have our Stylish Steals franchise, which is a weekly rundown of what we consider to be the best sale of the week. So whether that's Nordstrom Rack having 70% off uh, spring dresses for 72 hours, or whether it's Madewell having a very good sale on jeans, for example, buy one, get one free. We do that every week and just round them up and also show pictures of some of our favorite things um, to help our readers understand what it is that these brands are selling so that they can see them. Then we also have a monthly franchise called Plus Size Diaries, which is by one of our columnists, Olivia Mentor. And she just takes us through the world of plus size fashion every month, um, whether that's tips on how to shop for different clothing items, or whether that's on tips on how to feel more confident in a bathing suit as a plus size woman. Then on the beauty vertical, we have a ton, which is so much fun. Um, one of my favorite ones would have to be our Game Changers franchise, which is a weekly piece where people come and review a beauty product that to them has been completely game changing whether that's an under eye cream that has made them look wide awake and as if they got eight hours of sleep just in an hour, or whether that's a mascara that has finally curled their straight lashes when no other one could ever do that. It's really wonderful. And we get a lot of wonderful um, before and after pictures too, which really help to show, not just tell what the efficacy of a product is. 
We have our AM to PM, which is our franchise on skincare. So we'll interview different women. We recently had Ashley Graham do it, which was a lot of fun. And it just runs down people's skincare routine, their AM routine and their PM routine. It's pretty straightforward, but it really works and our readers really love it and engage with it. And just for our hair franchise, we just launched a new one called Such Good Hair, which was going off of the success of AM to PM. We were like, well, hair care is such a big topic and there's so many different hair textures and hair types and we're gonna interview women on that. So right now we're interviewing a lot of celebrity hairstylists and getting their hair care tips. Okay, I like it. I like, it. and now you um, you describe them as verticals, you know, and um, it's brilliant to hear how you have these really defined formats and features in these verticals. Is that how the whole of Hello Giggles operates? So you have these very clearly defined verticals of um, fashion and beauty and career and money. Yeah, I would say that, and I would say that tends to be how we describe it um, at a lot of American publications as well. So beauty would be one vertical that would be like the one overarching category. And you typically have editors or a director who runs each vertical, depending on publication size um, and the amount of employees. So we have beauty and that's its own vertical. We'll have fashion, its own vertical. And then we have our senior lifestyle editor and she runs everything that would be lifestyle. So love, money, career astrology and then we have our news vertical which is our news editor okay and is there a set quota for how many stories goes in there or is it a bit more fluid depending on what's happening in the news it's a bit more fluid i would say our news editor i mean she's absolutely brilliant and has her finger on the pulse of what's happening and what is going to be clicky and what our readers are interested in and and we all collaborate very much so if i know that a very good skincare brand or a makeup brand that our readers really like and shop from, if they're going to come out with a new face mask, for example, or a new eye cream or a new mascara, I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be very interesting to our readers for all of these reasons. I'll shoot that over to our news editor, who will then determine if it makes sense for her vertical. Otherwise, I might cover under mine. But I would say she probably publishes between like five and 10 articles a day. I would have to double check that with her, but she, and she's brilliant and is always on top of everything. Yeah. So, and that's, so in your vertical, how many articles get published a day roughly? So original pieces would be roughly around three. I would say that's the minimum unless there's a day where I am planning larger features that are coming up down the line and I just need to allocate some extra time to do that. Otherwise, there's a minimum of three pieces that go live, and that will be anything from an original Game Changers review to an essay and then a shopping roundup. So there's always a little bit of variety. Yeah, but it's not you writing all those. Presumably, you have writers on your team. That yes. You do that. Yes. Good, good. Otherwise, that would put my productivity to shame. <laughs> if you oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I wish. No amount of coffee in the world could, could get me there. <laughs> So can you um, outline a little bit the planning process? You know, is there a planning meeting across all the different um, vertical editorial teams? And, and if so, how many people are involved in that planning and commissioning process? So once a month, we will have a monthly brainstorm. And that's when all of our staffers come together and we'll look at a calendar 
that our editorial assistant puts together. And she's like, these are all the big things that are happening this month, whether it's a celebrity's birthday, National Vitamin C Day, for example, a movie release, um, an award show. Like she'll have a breakdown of everything that's going on that we'll look to, but then also we'll come in with our ideas. So an example would be um, for Hispanic Heritage Month that was, you know, last year, but I came to the table and our senior lifestyle editor came to the table and we're like, we want to put together a very meaningful package. And this is how we want to do it. And we ended up publishing a really, really beautiful and I think meaningful spotlight feature um, called Mi Cultura, Mi Belleza, which translates into my culture, my beauty. And it was an entire style and beauty package around um, Hispanic Heritage Month. So we'll each come to the table once a month with ideas, whether they're like small ideas such as, you know, June is National Acne Awareness Month. We should do something around then. And then we'll have these conversations where we bounce ideas off, off of each other. Because then from there, what I do is I send out once a month a mass email to all of our freelancers and also to our staff writers where I outline outline exactly what I'm looking for. And so I'll say, you know, thank you like for, you know, sticking by us. Here is what we are going to try to publish. Of course, if you have any original ideas, please pitch those as well. But these, this is more or less how I want to shape the month. And I'll break it down with specific ideas. And like some even, sometimes I'll even add in a pitch that I want somebody to pitch me that hasn't been published. So for example, skincare ingredient explainers do very well for us. And we just published this piece, but Kakadu Plum is starting to pop up in a ton of skincare. It's this very brightening skincare ingredient. And, you know, brightening, glowing, radiant, all of these um, words that people look for when buying skincare. Like, okay, this is going to be a wonderful piece. And so under ingredient explainers, I just put a parenthesis. I'm like, Kakadu Plum, for example. And so then once a month, I'll do that right after our monthly pitch meeting. I typically give uh, writers about three to five business days to get pitches back to me. I'll comb through all of them, see which ones I think would be worth bringing to my to my boss. And then I'll sit down with her and our deputy editor to go through all of the pitches and we'll go through our budget as well. Because um, some pieces, you know, require more extensive research and therefore we'll be paying that writer more versus if it's just a product review, which somebody could probably do in, you know, under an hour. So we'll come through all of that and then decide which pieces we're moving forward with. And then from there, I'll reach out to everyone and create the edit calendar and tell them when their deadlines are. Um, and if it's, you know, more of a feature, I'll probably assign it out and tell them that I want it about a week and a half before the allotted live date just so that there's time to go back and forth with that freelancer or that writer, um, in-house writer, um, to go over any edits or concerns, or if I have further questions, or if I think they could elaborate a little bit more on certain areas or just mix and match, um, move things around. Yeah. Wow. So that content is planned pretty much a month in advance. You know, you map out the content for the whole month. Do you leave space for any, um, you know, reactive topical things that come up? Yes. So I do set aside some budget for reactions, which are just responses to things that are happening, whether that's on, you know, 
whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on Reddit. Recently, obviously, the big boom has been TikTok. And we've had a lot of very long-lasting success with pieces that were written in response to something. For example, last year, it was um, when the fox eye trend was really starting to take off on TikTok. And so one of our writers wrote a response piece to it. And it blew up and it was one of our top performing pieces for months. It was very much resonating and we covered it before even CNN covered it. Or recently, our news editor actually, she wrote a piece on, you know how low rise jeans are starting yeah. to come back yeah. and everybody is just uh, terrified at the idea of it. <laughs> well, she wrote a great response to it and being like, look, like we really should keep low rise jeans out of the equation because they're also very, um, it really leads into a lot of body shaming because really only one type of body type can pull this off. And this leads to a ton of problems for people who don't have that body type or who can't achieve it. And she just weaved in that narrative very, very well while also bringing in pop culture and like throwing in pictures of celebrities who had done it like in the early 2000s and you know all the terrible denim trends that we saw um with pop stars back in the day yeah great i i I love that i love how journalists can you know take something take a small trend and then bring in all the different like cultural elements to it it's great um so you talk there you know a lot about uh, freelancers inviting freelancers to pitch to you um i'd like to ask you a bit about pitching generally both from the perspective of freelance writers pitching to you and prs or um or marketeers so um presumably you must get a lot of pitches from both Yes. How many roughly, how many pitches do you get a day? I roughly get between three and 500 PR emails every day. Wow. Do you? Oh my gosh. So talk about that. How do you sift through that? How do you, I mean, do you read them all or do you just look at the subject and then, and then go delete? I, I never delete anything and I try to get to everything. I do try to go through all of my emails at the end of the day, but because I get so many and have to write my own pieces, edit and plan long-term projects aside from everything else that I'm doing for Hello Giggles, it can be very hard to get to every email and to read every email. But what I try to do, if I don't read through the entire email is, you know, I obviously look at all the subject lines and I'll read the intro. There are a few things that will automatically make me skip an email though. If I can clearly tell it's some sort of generated program and it's like, hello, editor, for example, Um, or if they, you know, if they spell my name wrong and it's, and I know I've told this person several times how to, how to spell my name. It's not that complicated. It's three letters, but it happens surprisingly quite a lot. Or if I can just tell they haven't done their research. So if I get pitched a men's grooming product, for example, or if I get pitched a, nutrition bar, then I know that this person hasn't done their research. And, you know, even even if I did get back to them, it wouldn't really be adding much. And it's just taking even just responding takes out. It's not that much time. But when you have to answer 500 emails a day, 15 seconds responding, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'm not the right contact. Good luck. It ends up adding up. Yeah, and it's the mental space, not so much the time, is it? It's the it's the fact that you have to switch focus. It's it's the mental energy. Definitely, 
And so I'm very, uh, I don't know if you believe in uh, astrology or personality types um, with zodiac signs, but I'm, I'm a Virgo and I'm very much like a very typical Virgo. Like I plan and I organize everything. So every day what I do before I start the workday, I'll look at my schedule and I'll see what's on our um, editorial calendar. And I'll plan my day out almost almost to the minute. I'm like, okay, from 9 to 9.30, I am answering emails. From 9.30 to 10, I have a meeting with, let's say it's Siri. From 10 to 10.45, I have my pitch meeting. From 10.45 to 11, answer more emails. And that's how I structure every single day so that I feel like that way by putting myself on time constraints, I'm able to achieve a lot more and do a lot more in the day than when I just get overwhelmed by emails or overwhelmed by how much I have to edit. Giving giving myself that structure helps. And I think I get to more emails um, on the days that I do stick to it. Yeah, interesting. That's very interesting. So what is the most typical way that a pitch from a PR or a member of the public will actually result in coverage? Is it generally a review of a product or is there another format that uh, is more common in in, um, in in terms of what you can use? So it's different for PR emails than it is for freelancers. And I'll touch upon both, both of them. So for freelancers, if I get a pitch that is, they're like, oh, you know what, I have this idea and this is what I want to do. And then they go on for two paragraphs explaining what the piece is. I've lost interest by that time. So now in my in my monthly callouts at the bottom I have a section like this is the format that I want. And it's a proposed headline and then between three and four sentences explaining what the piece is and any experts that they would interview for it if applicable. If there's an idea that they have and they're not quite sure how to define it yet, they can call me. We can schedule a meeting and we can bounce around ideas. Because if there's a good idea that I think would be wonderful for Hello Giggles, I want them to be able to tell that story. I want to be the platform that gives them that microphone so they can you know, share their stories. I, I want to be able to do that. And a lot of the times people have a very good idea and they're not quite sure how to tell it. So for freelancers, as long as they're not completely off topic, because sometimes they'll send me... Um, a pitch on love and dating. And so then in that case, I, I don't typically answer, but I'll forward it over to our senior lifestyle editor and be like, hey, this might work for you. And then that's it. And then it, it'll be up to her. Now for PR emails, what typically results in a response? Because there's a difference between a response and coverage. Because as a journalist, you can never guarantee coverage for anything. Even if it's a brand or a product that I think will be a very big hit for our audience, we can never guarantee that we are going to cover it because something bigger might happen that day. Or, you know, maybe we are covering three launches that week and our readers are starting to lose interest. Things can change at last moment. So we never guarantee anything. However, what will most likely get a response is, you know, saying, Hi, Pia, for starters. And having a very, very to the point subject line helps a ton. So if there's a launch, like having in capital letters, launch, and then let's say it's uh, Glossier, like launch Glossier, um, let's say it was one of their cloud paints, 
new cloud paint coming out. Okay, well then I know what's gonna happen. And if Glossier is a brand that our readers respond to, and they do, um, then I'll flag that and I have folders for everything, being the Virgo that I am. But I have folders for everything, including follow-up ASAP and things to cover. And I have another one for pitches from writers. And so I'll just drag them there throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I like to allot at least 30 minutes to go through these folders and respond to anything that I think needs to, or if I have an idea for a story. So let's bring back the Glossier example. I'll shoot that over to my boss and be like, hey, I just got this. I think we should cover it. What do you think? And if she gives me the green light, I'll add it to our editorial calendar. Yeah, let's talk about some of the things which uh, I know you've mentioned a few things already which irk you in pictures, such as people getting your names wrong. Are there any other um, no-nos, either from PRs or freelancers, you know, for example, like long-winded phraseology, press releases that go on for pages and pages or anything like that? So I would say pet peeves would be definitely the name or not getting not getting to the points. Something that really gets on, I'm not going to say my nerves, but something that, oh, I just wish I could get to, but I can't. And so I, get, I think I get frustrated and I think that reflects more on me than on the publicists. But I'll get a lot of emails asking me what I'm working on and how they can help. And for me, I'm like, I don't have time to tell you all of the things that I'm working on. It's so much easier for me if a publicist reaches out and they're like, here are the list of experts that I work with. These are the topics that they can talk to. These are our new launches. I'm attaching the fact sheets and the press releases. Let me know if you need anything. Because then when I'm doing research, let's say it's for the Kakadu Plum piece, I'll type in my search bar in my email in Outlook. I'll put in Kakadu Plum. And so every email that I have with Kakadu Plum is gonna pop up probably like 20 of these emails a week. And I never answer them. And I never answer them, not because I don't want to, but because I don't have time to be like, these are all of the stories that I'm working on. That would take five minutes of my time, which when you're, which doesn't sound like a ton, I'm aware, but when you're planning everything to the minute, at the end of the day, you just don't have those extra five minutes if you don't want to be glued to your computer and you want to have a life outside of yeah. outside of your work. What if um, a beauty publicist includes a case to say if they're pitching you, you know, they want you to cover a product or, or even an event or something and they have a case study. Can you, is that of use to you or do you need to be editorially independent? Therefore, you can't take a case study that they suggest. Not necessarily. I actually love receiving case studies and I love receiving links to clinical trials because these are things that I can use. I'm very data focused. And if I can see a before and after and understand how it was measured, I can publish that. And then the only thing that I'll say is this was a study or this was a, um, a trial that was commissioned by such brand. That way the reader is aware of any um, bias or inclination, but I'm still presenting the information. But I, I love receiving that. Do you um, do you have anything else to add on the pitching side? For example, any great or funny or memorable pitches? Um, one of the things that really bothered me. This happened last year, right around the time where 
when George Floyd was murdered and there were a lot of black killings and it had been happening for a while. And then at some point it just exploded one weekend and it was all over the media. And I think as a country, everyone, or at least most people felt like they had heavy hearts. It was a very, very somber time. And I mean, it, it was just, it was very sad and a very tragic time. And I got to my email on Monday and it's even hard to work when you know, cultural things like that are happening and people are dying. And it's so obviously for something that's so wrong, such as racism. And I got to my email on Monday and started opening emails and I got something like, hey, Pia, I hope you had a great weekend. Or we know what's on everybody's mind, swimsuit season and stuff. And I was like, no, you're, you're wrong. And there was there were a few people that I answered to. I was like, this is wrong. I'm sorry. That is not on everybody's mind right now. I could not give less of a, you know, bleep uh, about swimsuit season right now. That is not what's on everybody's mind. What's on everybody's mind is racial tension and black killings and the horrible racism in this country. Culturally, How do you handle that? So, cause you are, you know, cause you look after the, the fashion and beauty section. So when something serious like that is dominating the headlines, what do you do in terms of your content? Cause you still need to put out beauty and fashion related content. Mm-hmm. You just, you still publish the same content. I wouldn't say an article on vitamin C isn't relevant um, or isn't appropriate year round. However, I just know that that's not what's on people's minds. So I'm not expecting the numbers to pour in the way that they typically would. And this is a conversation that I have with my editor and we all know to manage expectations. And I'm talking to our social media editor and she's like, you know what, maybe We don't post um, on our Facebook and our Twitter these things. Let's shift our entire focus to covering something that's more important right now. You know, even if you thought the piece on Kakadu Plum (laughs) was going to explode because it's a wonderful brightening ingredient, understanding that that's not what's important to people. Thanks, Pia. And and just one final question. Is there anything else... uh, in terms of media trends, the way that journalists work, the way that digital publications are working that you've observed that is worthy of bringing up? Um, I don't know if there's a trend, but what I would say in terms of pitching, bringing it back to that, I think most of the pitches that I always respond to, it's when someone shares an anecdote like, oh, I got a new dog over the weekend. Here's a picture. Anyway, what are you wearing? Like, not not what are you working on, but I have a new launch, by the way. And talking about dogs, they're um, nail decals with paw prints on them or something like that. Or, hi, I saw on your Instagram that you are training for a marathon. You know, we have this new balm that helps with muscle relief, by the way. So just like showing interest in people's lives and bringing them a little bit into your life, I think, can make can make all the yeah, difference. That's great advice. That's really, really good advice to make. Make the pitch personal. I like it. Yeah. Pia, thanks so much for sharing those insights. No, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. 
If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.